31, as we, uh, can, what was wrong? You guys have a bet on whether or not I was going to, no, that wasn't it? Okay. <laughs> All right, I won't tell anybody what you were doing. We'll just keep that between us. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, open up Proverbs 31, and we'll, uh, we'll take a look. Final two poems as we work our way through Proverbs 31, uh, probably, can't say definitively, but probably both have as their source Lemuel's mother. Uh, the first poem is attributed to King Lemuel's mother. Some people think that's uh, Solomon, but it's, it's all a stab in the dark. We don't have any definitive proof who King Lemuel is, but... The proverb is laid out to him by his mom. And the reason why that's important, if you remember, when we started the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 leads us to the first personification of wisdom. So throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified as a, a woman, right? Woman wisdom. And that, that personification points in reality to Jesus Christ. It points to him, each and every one, the descriptive of the personification of wisdom is going to describe Jesus. That the reason why woman uh, uh, wisdom is described as a woman throughout Proverbs is because the word is a feminine word in Hebrew. So it would always be described as a woman. So as we look at it, it's going to be wrapped up with another picture of woman wisdom. And the last chapter is kind of tied together with two poetic uh, Proverbs by a woman in the book of Proverbs. So it's kind of tying up the whole concept together. So we'll look at the whole chapter first together. It's divided into two poems. Verse 1 through 9 is the first one, and then 10 through 31. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women... Your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. That's the first poem. Second poem begins in verse 10. An excellent wife, who can find? For she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. She will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff 
and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word, to open it, God, as we dive in, Lord, we pray, God, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, open our hearts, that we would be able to receive, that we can hear what it is that your spirit is saying to us through your word, God, that you might be glorified and magnified in this place. Help us to have not only a a heart willing to receive, but then also a heart willing to obey what it is that you lay out before us this evening. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the first poem with King Lemuel deals with the concept of what is it to be a good leader? How do you stay strong? What keeps you from stumbling and falling? And so you have a depiction, again, of Lady Wisdom laying out for Lemuel through his mom, hey, Here's what we need to do. Son, this is what you need to focus on. She says twice, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? It's a Hebrew idiom, which means basically, how are you going to be, what kind of king are you going to be? How are you going to walk the road you're on? Remember when we talked, when we first started Proverbs, we said, Proverbs is is a book, story of two roads, right? The road of destruction or the road of life. Described as the road of the fool, says there is no God, right? Or the one who has the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The road of life, road of destruction. You're going to have that descriptor all the way through. It may be the described to us as the lazy man, the road of destruction, or the diligent man, the road of life. But all throughout, we have this picture of two roads. So Lady Wisdom, the mother of Lemuel, is coming to him in the beginning of this poem and saying, how are you going to walk the road? What path are you going to take, son? It's, it's like uh, a mother's final words to her son right before he becomes king, right? Then he's going to be in charge. And he's going to be making all these decisions. So she's asking him, how are you going to walk the road? What kind of king are you going to be? What kind of leader are you going to be? And a lot of times, these are questions we need to ask ourselves. Because the reality is, somewhere in our lives, every one of us, we're a leader to somebody. Maybe at work, maybe at home. uh, But somewhere, somehow, we are providing an example to someone about what does it mean to walk with the Lord? What does it look like to walk the path of life? how should I be walking? What kind of person should I be depicted as? You know, when people look at me, what are they going to see? 
So this is what she's asking him. She gives him two warnings right off the bat. First, don't give your strength to women. The, the, the fall of leadership has never changed, right? Three things take down a leader. Money, sex, power. First thing mom warns him about, be careful of women. The, the focus for, for her is, hey, don't spend a lot of time in the harem, right? You, when the king would come in, there was always a harem that was inherited. And mother is saying, hey, that's, that's not the path of wisdom. That's not the path of life. Don't give your strength to women. What happened to Solomon? Solomon, who was gifted with all this wisdom, right? Who is the one who compiled this list of Proverbs for us? Solomon, who did all these things, we ask ourselves, how could he be so wise and so dumb at the same time? Right? He had over a thousand wives and concubines. That's at least 999 too many. No? It seems like to me. So, when we look at him, here's what we see. The Lord said to him, Three things, three warnings were given to the kings. Each king in succession. Don't multiply gold. Don't multiply horses. And uh, don't multiply wives. So that when you multiply your gold, don't, you don't want to put your trust in your riches. Don't multiply horses because you don't want to put your trust in your military power. Don't multiply wives because the Lord said they'll turn your heart away from me. And that's exactly what happened to Solomon. Exactly what went on to him. He finds his heart turned away. He starts building temples for his wives' gods. And bringing in false worship into the nation of Israel. So it was a real difficulty in his life. So Lemuel's mother is saying to Lemuel, don't give your strength to women. Don't, don't buy into that lie. Don't buy into that. If you get on that road, the warning, if you get on that road, it's going to rob you of your strength. It's going to rob you of your vitality. It's going to rob you of your effectiveness as a king. The second thing she tells them to do is not to give or not to, to follow the ways that destroy kings. She says, do not give your strength to women or your ways to those who destroy kings. Now, she's going to define that a little bit more as we look in the next couple of verses. She says in verse 4, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for a king to drink wine, or for rulers to take strong drink. Oh, so here we go. I, I, I'm going to lay this out clearly as it is humanly possible. It's not a sin for you to drink wine. It is a sin for me. Well, how can that be? Well, let me, let me tell you a little story. Let's say I said, it's fine for me to drink. What's the big deal? Anybody can sit down and have a drink. I get together with some friends. We go out for dinner. I have a couple of glasses of wine with a meal. Go home, maybe right before I go to bed, have another glass of wine, go to sleep, get a call. Two hours later, somebody's in the hospital. They had a heart attack. They're looking for the pastor to get down as quick as he can. Jump in my car, head over there, get pulled over, get a DUI. How's that helpful? How, how, how does, I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I never know when that call is going to come. I may not get one for weeks. But I guarantee you when I will get one, when it is least, uh, 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 when it's the wrong time, whatever's wrong, right? If I have something else going on or something else planned, that's when that stuff happens. 
What she's saying to the king is, look, you're the king, and you don't get, to, you don't get the freedom that everybody else has. You can't mess up. There's at least one story of one king who thought it was a good idea to have a giant party on the eve of battle, and the enemy snuck in while he was having a party and took the whole kingdom over, and the people living there didn't know they were conquered for three days. Oh, it's not good for a king to drink. Taking that position of leadership, taking that place of responsibility, it, we, we lose the right to say... It's all about my freedom, and we gain the opportunity to say it's about what I can lay down so that I can be the leader I need to be, so that I can be the example that I need to be. It has, has nothing to do with, is it right or wrong to have a drink? There's nothing in the Bible that says you can't have a drink. The Bible tells us not to what? Do not be drunk, right? So that I can always tell you where the line is, right? Don't be drunk. Now, you know what the Bible doesn't give us? It doesn't give us the blood alcohol content level. Right? It just says don't be drunk. Let me ask you a question. What's God's idea of drunk? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's probably not the same as the state uh, patrol. I, 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 I don't know. I would say God might have his own figure, and I'm just going to stay away from it. I'm just going to stay away from it so that I can be the person that I need to be, the times I need to be it, and I don't have to worry about some other issue, right? I, gotta, I make enough problems for myself, yeah? If you see an orange and black Harley doing a wheelie down the road, you're going to say, oh my gosh, what in the world is he doing? So the last thing I need to do is be doing it while I'm drinking too, right? So we'll just keep one problem I've got to work on at a time. <clears throat> so when we look at it, this is what she's saying. The idea, what's the road of life for a leader? Three things are going to take them down, right? Money, sex, power. I can tell you this. Every bad decision I made early in my marriage, the first five years when me and Kathy had the hardest time, every one of them I can attribute to drinking. And when I stopped, I I, I won't say I didn't make any more bad decisions, but I made a lot less Right, I, I didn't have that uh, that little bit of extra push to say, "Oh, what's a big deal?" So we want to keep these things in consideration. What kind of person do we want to be? What kind of leader do we want to be? What kind of example do we want to be? It's it's there's a point where we lay down our freedom, right? And we pick up the cause that says, "I want to be a good example to my kids." Now. You know, I'm not going to argue, nor do I want to argue with you if you say, well, I want to be a good example of responsible drinking to my kids. Okay. All right. That's okay. But you need to decide, what, what is my, where is my goal? What is my goal? What am I trying to provide for my children? And then what kind of example, what kind of leader do I want to be? And then follow suit, right? Don't let things derail you. Don't let the things that take down kings take you down. Okay, she goes on in verse 5. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed. Or pervert the rights of the afflicted. Yeah, we, we don't want to be the kind of leaders who are, who are demanding our rights at the cost of everyone else. And sometimes it seems to be the kind of government that we have. But the government that we have was supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, for the people, right? It wasn't about... How good a retirement plan do I get out of this? 
or, or it wasn't supposed to be about what, what are the benefits for me. But in some ways it's become that. When we look at what the Bible lays out for us, it was always about others. It's always about when you come into leadership, the government in the Bible was to be the protector of the people. Yeah? The government was to be the, the punisher of the evildoer. The government was to keep everybody safe. That was the role. So be taking that role kind of like in a similar way to Rusty working with the, the police department, according to the word of God, as a governing authority, he's got the right. He's got the right to bear the sword. Yeah. Whew. And so, and so we want to we recognize that's how that's supposed to work. And there's a point in that where there are things Rusty gives up in order to be that person. Just like, that, that's just how the Bible describes it. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Is there a higher authority than Jesus Christ? There's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved, right? At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, right? So, he, but what did he do? He humble himself? Did he leave the throne room of heaven for a manger? Did he, you know, what was it like for, for God to walk as a child? I mean, I, I can't even begin to fathom what was surrendered, what was laid down, what was set aside when Jesus came. And I think that's the example, isn't it? Isn't that the example? When Jesus looks at us and he says, come and follow me, isn't he asking us to follow that example? Doesn't God tell us that he hates pride? He hates it, the arrogant. He hates, the, he hates when we are trying to exalt self. But he loves it when we're willing to put self down for others. So those are the kind of attitudes that we want to see in leadership, right? Verse 6, he says this in verse 6, Give strong drink to the one who is perishing. So usually people look at this and say, Okay, so we're supposed to keep the poor people drunk all the time. Maybe. I, I can tell you what he's referring to. When someone was being put to death or put on the cross, you remember when they offered Jesus... Uh, a sponge with uh, a vinegar, wine, and gall. The, the, the purpose of it was to deaden some of the pain. It was like uh, a drug that would take away some of the effect. They're, they're saying wine is for the perishing, for those on death row, for the, for the ones who are being put to death. And along that view, he puts the idea not only for, for the one perishing, but also to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. So the idea is, the idea that the Bible is putting out is wine is for the perishing. Now let me, let me try to explain what that means. What road is it? It's two roads. One leads to life and one to destruction. So what road is the road of the perishing? I think it's destruction. So the idea is here, wine is for the road of destruction. And somebody's perishing, if they're dying, if, you know, whatever the cause is, hey, that's the purpose, that's the plan for, for wine, to dull the pain of the weakened. But we want to keep in mind that for life, for the leader, he says the opposite. For the dying, use wine. For the living, lead. 
lead. Look what she says in verse 8. Open your mouth for the mute. She's talking about the king, right? What does that mean? Open your mouth for the mute. Speak for those who can't speak for themselves. She's telling her son, this is the kind of king you should be. Speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Stand up for the poor, for the rights of all who are destitute. Now usually what happens, guys, the reality, the reason why poor people are are oppressed is because they're not going to contribute to my campaign. When's the last time a bunch of poor people contributed a couple million dollars to somebody's campaign? It don't happen, right? So the poor stay oppressed. But the, the attitude that she's telling her son is, King, when you're king, speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Stand up for the poor. Jesus said, listen, you, you talk about, about loving those who love you. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. He said, loan to the one who can't pay you back. Why would he say things like that? He's telling us that those things are the heart of God. Has God given to you and are you able to pay him back? Is there something you can do to pay back the debt? Man, there's nothing we can do to pay back the, be- the debt. So, so does, doesn't God loan to those who can't pay him back? Doesn't God love his enemies? So when we look at those, when we see that reality, we want to recognize, I, I want to reflect the love of God in my life. Isn't that my goal? And if I want to reflect the love of God, then it means I think a little differently about myself and a little differently about others. Speak for those who can't speak for themselves. Every time I think about that, I always think about, uh, you know, what you call it, in twin, where did I used to go? Planned Parenthood. Nobody's talking for them babies, right? Nobody's able to, to say, hey, I don't like this plan. They like to, they like to shout a lot of, of, of nonsense about, it's my body. You do whatever you want to your body. The body you're chopping up isn't yours. has different DNA. It's a different being. That's not you. It just happens to be in you. But it isn't you. But nobody wants to, right? It's unpopular. You know, we're going to make someone feel uncomfortable. Lady Wisdom says to her son, be the kind of king who will speak for those who can't speak for himself. Be the kind of king who will stand up for the poor. Who, who wants to be a part of those solutions. Look what else. She says, open your mouth. Judge righteously. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. Be willing to speak out. You know, there's a lot of things that the Bible teaches that are very unpopular in the world right now. Does that mean we should be quiet? Being quiet is how we got here. Is being quiet going to change the situation? Is it going to make it better? I'm not saying don't love people. I'm not saying don't care about them. What I am saying is if someone was running and jumping off a cliff, if somebody was jumping off of the bridge down here in Twin without a parachute, you wouldn't say nothing to them? You'd be one of those guys just want to stand there and take a picture? I hope, as believers, we'd be somebody trying to say, man, I want to be a part of a solution here. I care about the person about to die. 
Do we care enough about our own culture and those who are rushing to the perishing? Do we care enough to say, stop? That road you're on doesn't lead to life. We want to be able to be willing to open our mouth and judge righteously. And then defend the rights, he says. Defend the rights of the poor and of the needy. Defend those who can't defend themselves. <coughs> Stand up for the ones who everybody seems to be treading over. Again, that's not popular. Is it? It's not popular. It breaks my heart when I drive up Addison and I go past the mosque that's being built there in Twin. And somebody staked a bacon cross in their lawn. How, how is that helping anybody? What does that do? What is the purpose of that? Now, I don't know what happened to those guys, but I go down there on Friday during prayer, and after they're done with prayer, I sit there and talk with them, hand them a track, try to engage, try to speak with them. We, always, we never had a, a ruckus going on except the neighbor would, every time they see us coming, they'd call the cops. So the cops would come up, and, and usually that caused a little bit of grief. But for the most part, we were just trying to share Christ with them. Aren't they the lost? Well, we're so worried. I mean, hey, you're preaching to the choir. I, I wore the uniform and looked at every opportunity to think I'd get a chance to kill one of those guys. That was my job when I worked for the one who was to bear the sword and put down the evildoer. Now, while that's not my job now, now I, I have a job to take the gospel to the lost. No? And to and try to do it with respect, care, treat people like human beings. Right? Nobody wants to have a burning cross in their lawn, do they? And, and, and what, what good thing does that bring about? We want to be wise leaders, wise men and women who are willing to stand up for those for whom no one is standing up for. We want to be willing to share the gospel with all who need it. That, my friends, is the path of life. We move on to the second poem. This poem is an acrostic. An acrostic. Here's what an acrostic means. It's, it starts with A and goes to Z. Okay, In Hebrew... Every line is a different letter of the alphabet, begins with a different letter of the alphabet. Usually the purpose of an acrostic is to say, hey, this is the real deal all the way from A to Z. You guys with me? Like Psalm 119 is an acrostic. The entire psalm, the longest chapter in the Bible, is an acrostic all about the Word of God. What's it saying? The Word of God is the real deal from A to Z. Same thing here as we look at this. An excellent wife, who can find, for she is far more precious than jewels. First thing that it talks about is the value of an excellent wife, a value of an excellent woman, and, and the value that she would have as a wife. And it speaks to the concept that, uh, that it's not that it's impossible to find, just scarce. It's just scarce. So who can find does not mean that no one can find her, but when you do... She is of great value. Why? It's like, it's like the, the concept of a diamond, right? We don't just walk around in the ground and see diamonds everywhere. If we did, a diamond wouldn't have much value, right? 
but because diamonds are more scarce, they have greater value. Same thing with the concept of this woman. Uh, the, again, the personification of Lady Wisdom. What's her value to her husband? Look at verse 11. The heart of her husband trusts in her. He will have no lack of gain, for she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Sometimes Kathy and I talk about concepts when we do marriage counseling or we're visiting with people where, and it can be either a husband or uh, a wife, that people that tear down their own family with their own hands, right? By our own words or our own choices or our own actions, we start to work destruction within our own family. But the Lady Wisdom, the, the woman, the wife, Lady Wisdom, she, she isn't that way. Her husband trusts in her completely. So that, that is an intimate relationship, right? Trust is a pretty vital thing between a husband and a wife. He trusts in her completely. He has no lack of gain, for she does him good and not harm. He knows she's for me, not what? Not against me. There's that real unity. So to her husband, she has incredible value, right? She has value because of the scarcity. She has value to her husband because he can have complete confidence in her in every area of life. Then the next thing the poem moves to is the things she does, her activities. It says she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. So she's looking. She's looking for those things that she can utilize to make her family better. Now, when we look at a poem like this, don't think about it like, okay, so what, what a real wife's supposed to do is make all our clothes and, and take care of all our business decisions. And if you want it, knock yourself out. But what the Bible is saying is she's always looking for ways to improve her family. She's looking. She's got hands willing to say, what's going to help? How, how can I help? How can I be a part of a solution? She works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. So she's got a plan on, on feeding the family and taking care of those things. She's got that focus down. She, she has the ability to make sure that the family is taken care of. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens so she's up early she's not lazy that's the point the point is not she gets up before everybody else it's just she's not lazy she's in she's ready to do the things that she needs to do and not only does she take care of her family she takes care of her servants too so those people in in those days who would have been thought as less than family she still had a willing heart to take care of them to take care of the servants that were apart she also has business sense. Take a look at it. She's got a good head for business. She said she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So she sees a field. She's able to make a decision, purchase the field, and with her own hands, plant a vineyard, which, again, is going to be that which is providing for her family, going to, going to, going to be those things that are going to make her family uh, grow and be strong. She dresses herself with strength, and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. So the idea, again, she's constantly looking for ways to lift the family up. Well, I think, really, for the most part, 
Uh, women, wives, mothers are a great example of that. At least mine always were. Uh, the moms that I had, I had some moms I adopted. I had my own mom. I don't know if it was like that for you guys, but in the neighborhood we ran in, me and my buddies, at one time or another, each of our mothers was the, was the host mom for the crew, right, running around. and So I called a lot of ladies' mom, and all of them were willing to sacrifice, I think, for us to try to find a way to make our lives a little better. There's no difference. I, I guess I, what I want you to see, guys, there's no difference between Lady Wisdom personified as a wife and King Lemuel. Both of them are leaders walking the road of life, providing good judgment and justice for their families. Trying to take care of those for whom they're responsible. For the king, the nation. For Lady Wisdom, her family. But still, they are sacrificing of themselves in order to make life better for their constituents. Does that make sense? Whether the nation or the family. Willing to give of themselves to accomplish all of these things. Also, the scripture says she dresses herself with strength, makes her arms strong. It's a Hebrew idiom for she has a strong back. She's able to do the work she needs to do. I'm always amazed when I watch... Kathy run around now. She's a little slower now since she busted her arm. She's not, she not quite so quick and agile like a cat to pull things out of the attic and decorate the house and do all those things. But, but uh, she's capable. Uh, she'll be fine. If I was gone, she's going to be okay. If she's gone, you all better pray hard because I'm not sure I'm going to be okay. But she is. She's capable, she's able, she has uh, strong hands, strong arm, able to do the things that she needs to do. And her, her lamp doesn't go out. If there's something that's got to be done, she's going to get it done. If there's, she's not going go to go to bed and leave it unfinished, she's going to accomplish it. That's what it means. Her light doesn't go out. She, she's continuously looking for those opportunities. The same attributes of the good king are in Lady Wisdom goes on in verse 19, you have what is called the Janus of the, of the poem. It's where the poem changes direction. It's going to swing in another direction. So it says, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. The same way it started with, with making clothes. And then you have another reference to the idea of making clothes. And then the poem is going to shift toward what she does socially. Look at verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor, reaches out her hands to the needy. Same kind of thing we were just talking about with King Lemuel, right? Stand up for the poor, watch out for the needy. I have a good friend, Dave Rose, he's a pastor out of Gooding. And one of the things he likes to talk about is learning to be men and women who keep their hands open. Keeping your hands open enables you to be generous, right? It's hard to give somebody something if your hands close. But if your hands stay open... It's also, God is also able to fill your hand. If you keep your hand closed, nothing goes out and nothing comes in. You get what I'm saying? I want to have my hands open. I want to have my hands open so that that generosity is flowing through. Jesus said the same measure you give, it will be what? Is that true or a lie? 
I'm not saying it's a way to say, well, I gave 10 bucks, so God's going to give me 10 bucks back. No, I'm saying if you're generous, generosity comes back. If you're loving, love comes back. If you're filled with joy, if you're expressing joy, what comes back to your life? Joy. The Bible says God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, what? That will he also reap. If I plant weeds, what am I going to get? If I plant wheat, what am I going to get? Oh, it's funny how that works, right? We all understand that in the natural world, don't we? We want to be people with open hands. She has her hands open to the poor. She has her hands open to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household. Ah, ever since I've been in Idaho, I am not afraid of snow. Oh, man, I love it. I, I When I went to Africa, seriously, I'm in Nigeria, laying in a hotel bed, 103 degrees. The only thing the air conditioner does is make noise. You ever try to sleep in 103 degrees? That's not any, there's no good reason to go to sleep when it's that hot. And all I could think about was, I want to get back to Idaho. I was clicking my heels together. And I couldn't remember what I was supposed to say, though. I remember the clicking. Click your heels together and, was it home sweet home? What was she supposed to say? No place like home. Ah, that might have worked. So, so, but all I could think is, I want to get back to Idaho. I cannot wait to be back in the snow. And like the next day after I got back, we had snow. It was glorious. Glorious. So she says she's not afraid of sold. Why? Because her, her household is clothed in scarlet. Scarlet is a way of saying they have the best stuff. They have the best clothes. She's provided for her family what they need for winter. So she's not afraid of winter. In a little while, it's going to say she's not afraid of the future. Because she's provided for her family for the future. She's, she's not afraid of it. She's comfortable in who she is and what she's able to do. She makes bed coverings for herself, and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Again, she makes her bed coverings. She decorates well. Matt, my wife decorates my house for every possible date you could imagine. Think of a date, quick. Yes, she has decorations for that. Yeah. I'm telling you, come over on your birthday, you'll see it. <laughs> she has something for everything, which currently means I'm the one who has to dig it out of the garage because she got a busted arm and she's not climbing in the rafters. But she always has a way. She, she keeps the house a home. You guys get the difference. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be just keeps the house a home, a place to go, a place to be safe, a place to belong says that her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He is thought of as a better man because he has Lady Wisdom as his wife. So because Lady Wisdom is his wife, he has a respect of her and others because of the situation that they have at home. She makes linen garments and sells them and delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She laughs at the time to come. She looks at the future and she laughs. She's excited about what's coming. Not dreading, but excited. Excited about what it's going to be like. Why? Because she's diligent, not lazy. She's 
walking the path of life. And if I walk the path of life, even if I run into speed bumps and problems along the road, I can rejoice. Why? Because I'm walking the path of life, following Christ. That's where I'm supposed to be. If I'm on the road to destruction, I'm going to be a little filled with trepidation, right? I'm going to be filled with fear and worry and concern. Because I don't know if I'm on the right road. I'm, I'm kind of messed. But if I am following Christ, I can press on like Paul says, right? Not, not that I look back and live in my past, forgetting those things which lie behind. I look forward. How can I look forward? Because my eyes are on Jesus. I'm going after Him. She laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Uh, I read a book called The Book Thief. One of my favorite lines in The Book Thief was this little girl meeting her, her stepdad for the first time. She says, he had kindness in his eyes. I always liked that phrase. She teaches with kindness. She's filled with wisdom. She's, she's teaching. She's capable. She's able. But it's kindness that is on her tongue. Not harshness, not bitterness, not frustration, not anger. Kindness. Kindness. You know that's one of the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. This is the fruit of the Spirit. What's coming out? What did James say? What's the first part of our body if we're really maturing with the Lord? What's the first part of our body we gain control of? Our tongue. He says, you want to know if you're mature, you control your tongue. If you don't control your tongue, you're not mature. That's the test of maturity in the Bible. She teaches and kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So she's focused on, like, just like the king is supposed to be focused on taking care of the people. Lady Wisdom as wife, Lady Wisdom as mother is to be focused on her family. Same picture, okay? Same issue between and for men and women. The next thing we see in the poem is her praise. Look at her praise, verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. They they say, man, what, what does it mean to call her blessed? They're saying, man, I'm so happy. Mom's so filled with joy. They rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. He praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you are the best of them all. That, by the way, fellas, just in case you're wondering the things you should say to your wife, that should be the things you say to your wife. Everybody else in the world will have something to say about what you don't do good enough. It doesn't need to be you. That's not your job. The Bible says the husband's job is to love his wife like Christ loved the church. You know what Christ did for me? He left the throne room of heaven, was born in a manger, suffered and died for me. That's my role for my wife. So there's a lot of great women out there, hun, but you surpass them all. That's my job. I am to raise her up according to Ephesians 5 without spot or blemish. How does Christ take you to the Father? When Jesus takes you and I before the Father, what's he do when he stands before the Father? Well, here's Jackie. Yeah, God, 
he's a loser. He's such a mess. I must have told him a thousand times to make his bed. He, he, you know, he was constantly being a knucklehead. And is that what he does? Does Jesus point out all my flaws? Here's where he messed up. Here's where he messed up. Here's where he messed up. Is that what Jesus does for me? How does Jesus present me to the Father? What does the Bible say? I am a just man made perfect in Christ. So when I stand with Christ before the Father, I am going to be declared by Jesus as perfect. Paul says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, that's how you're supposed to present your wives. Without spot or blemish. Perfected. I'm her covering. Isn't that what the Bible teaches? So if there's a fault in my wife, my job is to cover it. When Noah, his children, walked in on his nakedness, you remember what two of his kids did? They backed in and covered him with a blanket. Why? Because love covers, doesn't it? Does love cover our faults? Doesn't the Bible say perfect love casts out fear that that love will cover our faults, our failures, our struggles, our problems. Isn't that what it does? If it don't do that, what good is it? I look in a mirror to see all the problems. <laughs> right? I want to be a covering for my wife. So, I'm going to give her praise. She receives praise from her family. And then finally, praise from all. Look at what it says in verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Oh, did you hear that, by the way? Everybody listening? Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Those are probably the two ways most people decide whether or not they like uh, or, or are in love with a woman. Is she charming? Is she beautiful? The Bible says, yeah, those two things are junk. That's not the measure not the measure of a woman nor is it a measure of a man but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised a woman willing to walk the road of life that's the one you want that's the one you want that's the one to be praised give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates lady wisdom closes the book In the beginning of the book, there was a charge from a father to his son. He said to his son, Son, in everything you do, in all your getting, get wisdom. The book ends with what? Lady Wisdom as his wife. Get wisdom. In all your getting, get wisdom. For wisdom is the key to walking the road of life. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word, for closing out this book, the book of Proverbs, for starting Ecclesiastes next week. We're excited, God, to continue the journey through your word, to see what your word has for us. Lord, I pray that we would have eyes and hearts and hands and feet willing to apply the things that your word teaches us so that we can become like you, so that we shine like you, so we love what you love, hate what you hate, act like you. God, I pray where you are kind, we would be kind. I pray, Lord, where you're loving, we would be loving. I pray, Lord, that we would learn to rightly reflect the glory of the Lord as we walk through this life 
and that we would see, pay attention to the street signs and ensure that we are walking the road of life. If not, God, your word tells us to repent, change our direction, and get on the path of life. God, I just pray that you would help us, every one of us in this room, to be men and women who want to live their lives by the fear of the Lord. For that is the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of our journey, following Christ all the way till we lay hold of that which is promised. God, we pray your blessing and your anointing in this time, Lord. We look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.